Song of comfort and encouragement. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are sheltered in your arms for all of eternity. And we thank you, Lord, that no one can take us out of your arms or your hands. Thank you for that security we have. And now we ask that you would bless our hearts and speak, Lord, through thy living word as we seek to learn from it and apply it to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you will take your Bibles with me, let's turn to the book we have been uh, studying together, the book of Colossians. Turn to Colossians chapter 3, if you would with me. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at a few verses as we continue our verse-by-verse study here. And uh, as you're turning there, we're going to be picking up at verse 5, Colossians 3, verse 5. But as I look out at the audience here at the congregation, some of you look really nice. You, 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 I'd like to know uh, how long it took you to pick your clothes out for what you were going to wear today. Now, I know how long it took you men to pick out your clothes. You just said, honey, can you, what would look good today? Right? And so your wife dresses you a lot of times, right? But though we don't admit it, but they pick out. You ever, men, you ever dress up with something and you think it's good? And then you, you're ready to go and your wife looks at you and goes, mm-mm. No, go change. And you go change the shirt or the pants or the tie. Uh, yes, it's happened in our home. And, uh, and uh, you know, we take a lot of time sometimes to choose what we are going to wear. We want to look good. Well, some of us want to look good. And others, you know, will just grab anything and put it on. What's amazing about this passage we are going to look at this morning is that Paul is going to talk about the Christian's spiritual wardrobe. You know, just like you said this morning, as you looked into your closet, what shall I wear? We as believers are being commanded here by the Apostle Paul through the word of the Lord to do the very same thing. And every day, you and I must ask ourselves, what shall I wear today? And we'll see this as we go along here. So if you'll look with me at verses 5 through 7. Let's read this together. Colossians 3, pick it up at verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. To immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also walked when you were living in them. Now, if you have a King James Version, it's translated this way. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, 
mortify. That word means to put to death. To put to death. What he is saying here, he's saying, you were crucified with Christ. We were all crucified with Christ. There was a moment when I trusted Jesus that he took uh, my sin and he rode me in his righteousness. So I, I was crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet not I, but what? Christ lives within me. And the life which I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, time and time again, would explain how we are, have been crucified. The old self, the old you, that, that sinful nature was crucified when you trusted in Christ. We were nailed to that cross as Jesus took our place and died there. But as our bodies are considered dead, the Apostle Paul is trying to remind us of something, that we have to live our life because we still have that old nature, even though it's considered dead, and one day we will, it will be eradicated. We will be completely free from that old nature that, uh, that, that we are, is still here in this body, we still have to do battle with that, even though it's considered dead. But I have to deal with the deeds that this old man, this old body, this old nature still wants to do. Wants to do some of the things before I was saved. And wants to k- kind of just, uh, you know, live for my own passions and pleasures. And this is what he is going to talk about here. He's telling the Colossians here He's saying, consider the members of your body as dead. Consider them as dead. 2 Corinthians 7.1, Paul wrote, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice, uh, Paul here, basically, when he is saying, consider the members of your body as dead. Considering them as dead. This, this in the Greek tense, basically is coming across this way from Paul. He's saying, here's something you need to do, and you need to do it now. You absolutely have to do this. In order for our lives to be blessed and to honor God and to, and to bring him glory. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6, if you would. Let's go over to Romans 6. And Paul speaks to the church at Rome here, verse 5. Romans 6, we'll pick it up at verse 5. Paul is writing a similar Statement to the church at Rome, verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, look at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was what? 
crucified with him. Do you see that? That the old self was crucified. Past tense. It was done. I died with Christ. The old self was crucified with him. That our body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. In other words, Paul's saying, we now, as believers, have the power not to sin. We have power over the old nature that still lingers in us. I have the power not to sin, which comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. And then verse 8. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now look at verse 11. Even so, okay, so we are considered, uh, we've been crucified with Christ. Yet he says, even so, Consider yourselves, same word that he's using in Colossians. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. In other words, he's saying, understand this, Christian, that your old self doesn't need to raise its ugly head and control you. My old sin nature doesn't have have to run my life anymore because I have Christ living within me. And so then he says here, verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law but grace. See what Paul is saying? Paul's saying the old man is dead and crucified. But because we are still in this in this body that's decaying, this earthly body that still wants to sin, and and it's corrupt. And I'm going to have that old nature. I still have to deal with what that old nature in me still would like to do. And therefore, you and I must be careful to how we live and how we dress spiritually. So go back with me now to Colossians chapter 3. If we go back to Colossians 3 here and look what he says here, the rest of verse 5. He considers, the, therefore, consider the members of your body as dead and dead to what? Well, he gives a list of the, the sins of the flesh. Consider it dead to immorality, impurity, passion, desire, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. He gives us a list of these things, and he basically is saying that these things we should consider dead in our life. It should not allow them to 
reign and control us. They should not be part of our, of our walk in this life as we walk with the Lord. And then he reminds them of this in verse 6 and 7. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also walked when you were living in them. Do you see what Paul's saying? He's saying that old nature that wants to do still, you have that evil nature, that sinful nature still wants to do and control you and do things that are, that are against God. It is because of those sins that God is going to bring judgment on the world someday. God is bringing judgment because of my wicked heart. That judgment is coming. But I know that if I trust Christ, I am not going to face that judgment. I have been forgiven and cleansed. But he wants me to still, with the help of the Holy Spirit, be able to take off these old clothes. Picture these as old clothes that you've been wearing before you were saved. Notice he said, verse 7, in them you once walked. When you were living in them, this is before Christ, before you accepted Christ, you and I were just living uh, with with our sinful nature controlling us. But now we come to verse eight. Look with me at verse eight through eleven. Paul then says, "But now you also put them all aside. Put them all aside. What anger?" Wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man. But Christ is all in all. There in verse 8, Paul now uses a Greek word. He uses a Greek word here that actually has been used by the Greeks when they talked about taking clothes on and off. Literally, that's what the Greek word means. The Greek word here means to take off, literally to take off one's clothes. But here Paul is using it figuratively concerning uh, spiritual things. And basically he's saying, so then he, he, say, he uses that term, put them all aside. Or King James uses the, the phrase put off. If you have an NIV, it's translated, rid yourself of these. In other words, here's your old wardrobe. How many of you men still have shirts from 30 years ago in your closet? Yeah, I love that, don't you? They're still there. You probably hit it so your wife doesn't find it. But those special shirts or T-shirts, you know, that have holes in them, and uh, but but they were special to you. But you used to wear them all the time, and and you know and you you loved wearing them. They were comfortable, right? Little comfortable. You used to love them, but but she wouldn't let you you know go out in public with them on. Maybe, but 
the old clothes closet. Paul is saying God wants us as, as his children to go into our spiritual closet and to take a look at the clothes. The old clothes are still there. As long as I am in this earth suit, this sinful earth suit, I've got those old clothes that I can put on. And he, he mentions each one of those pieces of clothing. Anger. He speaks of anger here. Anger. Man, sometimes anger just seems to be the foundation for some of these other old clothes that we will put on that we shouldn't be wearing. Now, when we look at anger in the scriptures, we understand this, that anger will motivate us. But there is good anger, which is, which is right before God, and, and there's wrong kind of anger. We know that God gets angry in the Bible. We read that in the Old Testament about his wrath and his anger. What do we call anger that is, that, that is good anger? Yes, I hear it. Righteous indignation. So when you see injustice, you get mad. You see something, someone that is, um, uh, you know, doing something against someone else, hurting someone else, or there's injustice against you. There is that, there's that righteous anger, you know, or we see our government and what's happening in America. And we get angry when we watch the news and we see what is actually being acceptable today in our country. And what used to be sin is no longer sin. But here the Apostle Paul is saying, first of all, you got to lay aside the wrong kind of anger, the wrong kind of anger. And of course, Paul said in Ephesians 4, remember, be angry, yet do not sin. Remember that? So there's that. You can be angry, righteous indignation about certain things, but we must not let anger become the old clothes of anger that we used to have, where it turns then into wrath or rage. Look at the next one. He says, put them all aside, anger. Then he says, wrath. He says, wrath. That wrath also is translated rage. So you see, my anger can, will, can lead me, if I don't deal with it, if I don't take that old uh, clothes off of anger, which is the sinful anger, what will it do? It will lead me to put on other old clothes, such as wrath and rage. In other words, it will cause me to act um, in, in a sinful way and want me to, to get back at somebody or, or rage at somebody or, or take vengeance, whatever it is. But he, that's what the word wrath here is. And notice then that leads to what's next. Malice. 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 Here's one definition of malice. Malice is a mean-spirited or vicious attitude or disposition. Wishing ill will upon someone. So I have to think, think back this past week. Do you remember wearing any of these old clothes? 
Do you remember getting angry at someone you shouldn't have gotten angry at? Do you, do you recall someone in your life that, that you wished would get theirs? Maybe because of what they said about you? Or they've hurt you deeply? And maybe it's even righteous indignation. You're angry because it's injustice done against you or somebody else. But we cannot allow those old clothes to stay on us. And so this, I have to every day look into the mirror and say, Lord, help me today to wear the right kind of clothing. And we're going to see what those pieces of clothing are, the righteous pieces of clothing. But then he goes on. Malice leads to slander. And slander is the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame or damage another's reputation. Have you ever said something bad about somebody else to someone? And basically, they don't know you're talking about them, but you see something you don't like in their life or they made you upset. And so what do we do? We can many times uh, slander the name of that person. Another old clothing has to come off. And then he says, an abusive speech from your tongue. Filthy language is it's also translated as filthy language or abusive language, filthy communication. And of course, we read about and that's all about the tongue, right? Now, none of us have ever put on this old clothing, have we? We haven't said something that shouldn't have come out of our mouth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's one of the hardest. If we look at James what James writes in James chapter 3 about the tongue, what it can do, the damage it can do. And if I wear that clothing, which, uh, which means that, that I'm allowing that, that old nature to send things out of my mouth, put the thoughts in my head, and then I say something that I should not say that will bring harm to someone else or abusive language. I've got to deal with that. I've got to take that old, that old clothing off. I get to take it off, and I don't know how many of you have ever found yourself in a store somewhere where you, you got angry or upset about something, and then you felt so ashamed after you did it, and you almost didn't hope that they don't find out that you're a Christian. We've all been there. We've all been there. How we act in front of the world, they're going to see what kind of clothes we're wearing. They're going to look at me and say, they're going to, wow, Larry, man, you, you know, they can look at me. And, and if, if I'm wearing the old clothes, they can say, man, he, he dresses just like me. The unsaved will look at me and go, no difference. There's no difference. You tell me about Jesus. What has he done to change your life? Oh, how I've got to be careful as to what I put on. <clears throat> this was interesting. We, the other week, uh, our family did the drive-through at Rita's. And Rita's uh, Italian water ice, you know, I know many of you enjoy that on occasion. But we drive up to the window, and there is this paper in the window right there as you drive up. So while you're waiting for your order, you can read this. And so I made a copy of it. 
<laughs> Dear Rita's guests, our delicious custard is served by weight, not volume, in a universal cup. We weigh our portions to ensure correct serving size. We have several new staff members learning how to portion correctly as well as properly making treats. If you have questions on your serving size or how a treat is made, please ask to speak with the manager or shift leader. Goes on. Please, and these are in big, bold letters, please do not be mean to our staff. We will not tolerate disrespectful behavior, offensive language, or you throwing your treat at our staff. Yeah, I guess people were doing that. Can you imagine? By the way, they're looking for people at Rita's to work. Anybody want to? Uh, I will take your name. <laughs> Such behavior will be dealt with accordingly. Please remember, for some of our staff, this is their first job. They are trying. And then they put at the end some new clothes, spiritual new clothes, that, that we should be putting on. They write, be patient, be kind. Thank you. Readers of Cleona. There it is. What, what does that tell us? Man, we've got to be careful what kind of clothes we're wearing out there. Oh, it's easy to, to wear the nice clothes, the spiritual clothes in here among the brethren sometimes on Sunday mornings, but it's out there. What are we wearing? So if you go back with me here, look at verse 9, Colossians again. Chapter 3, Paul went on and said, But do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and having put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew. What Paul is saying in verse 9 and 10, he's talking about the moment that your old self was crucified when you trusted Christ. Okay, so here he's talking about the time that he was, your old self was actually crucified and then Jesus gave you a new self. He gave you his spirit and therefore he gave you the new clothes so that you and I could bear the fruits of the spirit. And so here Paul is trying to say, because notice he says, since you have laid aside. So this is something that's already done. And this would take us to that term, sanctification. And again, I've mentioned this before, but just a brief understanding again of sanctification. Sanctification, according to the word of God, New Testament, sanctification is a setting apart ourselves unto God. When you were saved, you were set apart unto God and given new, new uh, clothing. You were a new, new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. Therefore, you are now in Christ. So at that moment, you and I, 
at the moment of salvation, were positionally sanctified, okay? Which is done deal. We're sanctified for all of eternity. That's why we're getting to heaven. Because we were then justified at the same time by, by God and his righteousness. But then, once we are saved, now comes the choices of what I'm going to wear. And we call this progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification, which means day by day, I'm seeking to become more and more like Jesus. In other words, I'm seeking today to set myself apart for the Lord by taking off the old clothes and seeking to wear the clothes of righteousness. Progressive sanctification, which means hopefully you and I are becoming more more like Jesus every day. That we're becoming like the image of his son. The old nature is still there. But Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, God foreknew, he predestined to become, for us, conformed to the what? Image of his son. That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. That others may become just like Jesus. That's what God's plan is. That for all of eternity, he's going to have more like his son. And that happens through the sanctification. But in this life, I want to progressively wear the clothes that were given to me when I was saved, these spiritual clothes. And so there, look at, the, uh, he says, he talks about renewal. A renewal in which there is no distinction. In other words, once we are saved, there's no distinction. There's no division. We are all in Christ. And look at verse 12 through 14 now. So those, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, there's that word again, he uses that the Greek word for putting on clothing. Put on, Paul's saying, a heart of what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against one, any, anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should also. And then verse 14. And beyond all these things, in other words, you've got this great wardrobe that you've been given through the Holy Spirit to put on. He says, beyond all these, put on what is it? Love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Put on love. Love is that ultimate piece of clothing that if we wear that, all the others seem to, we'll begin to naturally begin to wear these others, these fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, of course. You go to Galatians 5. What do we have in Galatians 5? The fruits of the Spirit. And you, we won't take time to turn to it, but the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. Much of the, this list, they are fruits of the Spirit. They are produced in me when I am surrendered to the Holy Spirit 
to the spirit of Christ in me and saying, Lord, today I want you to control me. Lord, I want you to control my mind, my thoughts, my body, that what I do, I do not sin against you and that I will take off those old clothes and I will be putting on these new clothes, these beautiful, beautiful clothes of love, kindness, gentleness, humility, all these things. Isn't it the most beautiful thing when you see a Christian wearing these kind of clothes? And it just just speaks to your heart and you go, wow, I would like to be more like that Christian. You and I have the same clothes in the closet. But notice Paul says, put on, put on, put on, take off, take off, put on. What does that mean? It means that you and I have to make a choice. It's not forced on us in any way, but the Lord has given us a free will so I can choose. You can choose what you're going to wear today. And I can choose. And I can choose to, I want to look like Christ, Lord. So I'm taking out of the closet gentleness, kindness, meekness, love. All these things. Turn to a book, the Old Testament book of Ruth with me, if you would. Let's go to Ruth together. And I wanted to pick this particular passage. Okay. And uh, and here, the, the book of Ruth is one of those books that uh, he, he, we talk about, uh, we talk about the story of Naomi and, and Ruth. And you know, you basically know the story. Here is Naomi and Ruth and Naomi married, moved, her husband moved away to uh, the country of Moab. She married, had two sons, moved to the country of Moab where her two sons, Naomi's sons, found two wonderful wives, one of which was Ruth. But as you know the story, what happened? Well, Naomi's husband died, Elimelech. He died. She was left a widow. Now she has two sons. So her two sons kind of taking care of her too. But suddenly her two sons die. So suddenly Naomi is left with two daughter-in-laws. And one of them is Ruth. And so Naomi says, and you can read it there because of time, Uh, We won't read it, but it's there in chapter one. And Naomi says, I'm going back home, going back to Bethlehem, to my people. I have nothing here, but you go and stay here. You know, you'll find good husbands here. I'm going to go and leave you. And so she gives her blessing for the sister-in-laws to leave and go and I mean to stay there while she leaves. Well, the one sister-in-law goes, I guess it sounds like a good idea. You've been a great mother-in-law, Naomi, 
but yeah, I guess you're right. I'll stay. She goes back. But then what does Ruth do? Ruth says to Naomi, wherever you go, I want to go. I'm going to be with you. And wherever you are going to die, I want to die with you. I'm going with you. I will not leave you. What did, was Ruth showing Naomi? Ruth was showing love and kindness that she had been showing, no doubt, all along. But now she was going to prove her love. And she was putting on, Ruth was putting on the new clothing. She was putting on kindness, gentleness, compassion. She cared about her mother-in-law. And then she wore the piece of clothing that is above all else, love. No, Naomi couldn't believe it. But yes, then she said, let us go. And they went back home to, to her homeland in Israel. Ruth wore the right kind of clothing. And you and I, dear Christian, we have a choice to make. And as we leave here this morning, would you and I just say, Lord, I know I've been wearing this particular piece of clothing too much, the old clothes. I've been angry too much. I've had too much bitterness towards somebody, maybe malice. Or maybe I've been saying, you know, mean things to someone or gossiping about someone. That old clothes. Lord, help me to dress in righteousness. Help me to put on the new clothes that you've given me. And watch what God will do. He will transform you and make you more and more into the image of Christ. And when people see you wearing those clothes, guess what? They're going to see Jesus in you, in me. They're going to see Christ. Because Paul, what did Paul always, was it, what was he always concerned about? That Christ be magnified in my body. In other words, that Christ may be seen in me. Christ may shine through me. And that's when he puts on the new clothes, Christ is visible. May we begin to wear the new clothes that we've been given until we get to heaven, that we might honor our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. As we close this morning, Dear Christian, perhaps the Lord has been speaking to your heart and you've realized that a lot of those old clothes you've been wearing and you don't want to anymore. You don't have to. The Lord is saying, I have a whole set of new clothes for you if you want to wear them. And so would you say, Lord, right now, Help me to begin putting on these new clothes that I might produce the fruits of the Spirit through your, Spirit, your Holy Spirit controlling me. And Father, help me to dress like a Christian should dress that the world may see Christ 
in me. Would you make that commitment this morning, Christian? Make a commitment to seek to wear the new wardrobe that God's given you. If you're here without Christ, I invite you to accept the Savior as your very own. He died on the cross for your sins. He took the punishment for your sin so that you don't have to go to hell. You you don't have to die eternally, but you can have a home in heaven. And you can have forgiveness of sins and you can be given this new wardrobe. But you must make the choice to accept Christ as your Savior. Would you do it now? In the quietness of this moment, right where you are. Would you pray something like this, a prayer like this? And this is a prayer of faith that you're giving your heart to Christ. Confessing your faith to him. Pray something like this with me now. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I am so sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead. Lord Jesus. With head still bowed, if you accepted Christ today and put your faith in him, you are now a child of God. You've been born again spiritually. Welcome to the family of God. You have been given a new wardrobe, a righteous one, that you can begin to wear until you reach your heavenly home. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done for us through your Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for giving us his righteousness and robing us, Lord, in the clothing that is heavenly. Help us to leave here seeking to do that, to walk in newness of life and to walk in the Spirit. And Father, I pray for those who may have accepted Christ today by faith, I pray that they might have the assurance of their salvation, knowing that their sins have been forgiven and no one can pluck them out of your hand. They are secure in you forever, evermore. Thank you, Lord, for those who have walked to Calvary and their burden has been lifted. We pray all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.